listening to Movie Land on ABC Local Radio, digital and online. Hello and welcome to Movie Land. I'm CJ Johnson. Thank you for joining me. If you caught the latest mini episode, you would have heard my review of Laura Poitras's new political documentary, Risk, about Julian Assange, an astonishing film. And if you're a regular listener to this show, you know how much I like a good political documentary. So does Luke Walker. In fact, uh, just off air, we were talking about the fact how we both love the film The War Room about uh, Bill Clinton's uh, run for the Democratic primary um, slot when he ran for that before he ran for president. How much we both admired that film. And Luke said that that was the reason he made this film. He wanted to make a film like that. It's called Pac-Men and it is screening as part of the Sydney Film Festival this 17th of June, Saturday in the afternoon at 1.25pm. You can get tickets uh, by going to sff.org.au and I'm sure as soon as you hear about the film you'll want to. Luke has joined me in our studios in Sydney. Hi Luke. G'day. Thanks for having me. Uh, uh, thank you very much. So you're a, a Brit who lives in Australia but you've made a film about the American political process and what you've done is you've made, like The War Room, you've made a film about an an aspirational politician, well, an aspirational person who's aspiring to receive the his party's ticket, in this case, the Republican primary ticket, so that he may then go on to try and win the presidency of the United States. And you followed a candidate who was completely, had no... He had no qualifications for the job. He was not a career politician and um, really was had nothing, no reason to be running for president. And yet it was not Donald Trump. You <laughs> followed Dr. Ben Carson. He was supposed to be the anti-establishment candidate, or, or so these guys thought that persuaded him to run. Um, what I ended up uh, doing was following these super PACs that... Um, uh, persuaded him to run for president, really. Um, they saw a man who might be able to mess with the demographics. Uh, if you remember a year and a half ago, feels like a very long time ago now, uh, the Republicans were talking, well, there were people were talking about whether or not the Republicans might ever be able to win the White House back because the demographics had changed. And they saw this guy, Ben Carson, uh, got this amazing backstory. Um, he was born into poverty, um, managed to get to Yale, uh, became this world pioneering brain surgeon, the, the first surgeon to separate Siamese twins, joined at the head. Had a shocking and probably <clears throat> untruthful lifetime movie biography made about his life. Well, that, that movie, yeah, was, was, was very popular. I mean, that, that, that narrative did have some holes picked in it, which was a, a big problem for him, which we, which we see in the film. But yeah, they, they saw this guy who, as, a, as a black Republican as well, which is quite unusual. They saw someone that might be able to deliver the, the presidency for him. So they raise uh, millions of dollars. Um, to persuade him to run, it's the the draft Carson movement uh, that these uh, these these rich guys thought could deliver them the presidency, and 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 that's how we ended up following these guys that just had an idea. It's that's American politics is a strange environment as a result of the super PACs. So, so just in, in as few words as possible, just define what a super PAC is, because sure. so it's super PAC, super yeah. PAC. Yeah. So uh, PAC stands for Political Action Committee. 
Uh, they've been around for a long time, but super PACs are a relatively new phenomenon. They, they came about as a result of uh, a Supreme Court decision in uh, 2010, I think it was. And it basically took all the shackles off political action committees. They do, um, they, they will back a cause or a candidate. Um, and as a result of this decision, it meant that um, uh, anyone, uh, like corporations, could now donate to these to these uh, to these entities. It's a workaround. It's, yeah. it's it's a workaround so that essentially a candidate can run with unlimited funds as long as the funds go through a super PAC. Those funds can't be given to the campaign; they must right. be separate. But they can they end up doing the dirty work of the campaign. Right. So they will because the run... super PAC runs a campaign for the candidate, essentially a, a second campaign. A second campaign. They become like shadow campaigns, yeah. and but they they will run like you know attack ads. And, and dirty stuff like that, yeah. um, and then the campaign are like, "Oh, this is nothing to do with us. Like, this is this is the super PAC. We're not coordinating with them. We can't. It's nothing to do with us." Yeah. So they they do the the dirty work during the campaign, but they also do interesting things like they will back a cause and they will just uh, they will run ads to support that cause or get people in places to protest for that cause. And in the case of the super PACs that I was following, they drafted a guy to run for president that had no experience in politics whatsoever. I mean, just like Donald Trump. Um, and they get him to number one in the polls. He was the only other candidate ever to lead Donald Trump at any point. Um, but the problem was that when they got him to number one in the polls, all this media scrutiny came with it and he wasn't used to dealing with it. And he makes all these appalling gaffes. People start looking into this backstory and they start... Carson had made these claims that uh, when he was at school, he'd attempted to stab a young a young boy at school. He claimed to have this awful temper and he panicked. He ran away. He thought he'd killed this guy. It, actually, the knife had hit the belt buckle and broken and he didn't know that. He, he ran away, prayed to God and he prayed to God to remove his temper and his temper went away and he became really good at studying and that's how he gets to Yale and becomes this amazing brain surgeon. It was a really important part of his personal narrative yeah. and that was one of the things they were selling. This was a godly man. This was a man that God had touched and actually taken his temper away. And so the press go and they have a look to try to find this boy that he claimed to have stabbed and no one can find him and no one no one has any memory of him ever having a bad temper and so like <laughs> the holes get poked in this narrative and the air starts to come out and also they start asking him questions that he doesn't know the answers to and he starts giving these daft answers on foreign policy truly and- daft answers <laughs> i mean truly awful stuff i mean stuff that trump could have said because he says just as ludicrous stuff but these two of them were like the donkey and the ass yeah. i mean just absurd it, it, it was remarkable that the Carson's gaffes had the opposite effect. They made him look bumbling and confused and uh, and incompetent. While as Trump would make gaffes that should have would have killed anyone else, and yet because of the the mood that the American electorate is, or a certain section of the American electorate was in that had been created by the Tea Party, they saw a man that was going to go to Washington and burn it down, and it had the opposite effect. He was a guy that would tell it like it is. That's how they saw it. They they saw a guy that was going to take no nonsense. I mean. He was a guy that was saying the most appalling things. And if he was going to say them in the campaign, what was he going to do when he got to Washington? He got people, all these dissatisfied people who just wanted him to go there and tear the place down. He got them really excited about him. It had the opposite effect. 
Trump is obviously non-religious and obviously has just claimed to be religious to get his job. But Ben Carson's entire strategy was based on evangelical Christian faith, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, and the super PAC themselves were totally faith-based. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And they, they, I mean, they really believe in the power of prayer. They believe that prayer can affect the campaign. And they, uh, all and there's these... a lot of praying in your movie, <laughs> which to, to someone who is, who is a non-believer is funny. Yeah. I think the film itself is quite funny because it's like watching a train wreck. It's sure. just such a misguided uh, event and such a waste of money. Sure. I mean, it's a, it's like you were saying at the start of, of, of the piece, uh, I wanted to make a film like The War Room and I wanted to make a purely observational film in that style. So there are, there are no interviews, there's no narration. And I, I wanted to make a film like that because I think um, it's the type of film where people can put their political baggage down, I hope, and just let the story unfold. And what I, I wanted to make the kind of film where Republicans will see their reflection and Democrats can watch it and sort of get an understanding of what motivates these people. And I felt like I, I wanted to make a film that both sides could watch and get something out of. And uh, I, I hope that that's what I've created. And But because, like you say, when you are not used to seeing that, when it's not your world, it can be amusing. And so, you know, when I hear audience reactions sometimes, I feel a little guilty because I, I like these people, you know. I you know, don't necessarily share their worldview or their politics, but I like them and I feel like I understand them as a result of making the film. And I think it's that that's an important thing for people to go through, to sort of uh, at least empathise with what motivates them, even if it's amusing at times. Yeah. I notice, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but race is barely mentioned in the course of the film, but obviously Ben Carson is black, obviously Trump is white, obviously Barack Obama is black, and obviously part of the reason Trump thrived and Carson completely withered on the vine has to do with that. And yet it's not mentioned by, by your subjects. And your subject, it should be said, as you have been saying, is not Ben Carson. It's the people behind him. It's the super PAC people. Sure. They didn't seem to talk about it or not on camera or you left that out or what about that? Um, yeah, I mean, race definitely played a part in the election. I'm not sure. I don't think that Carson's failure was anything to do with race in itself. I think what's interesting about what happened in this election is that a lot of this dissatisfaction was stirred up by the Tea Party movement. And the Tea Party movement was stirred up by super PACs like the ones supported by the Koch brothers. And they created this fear of the other, whether the other is, you know, Islam or whether the other is Mexicans trying to get across the border and, and steal jobs or rape women or bring drugs or whatever. And also a certain part of it is a fear of, you know, a, a black presidency in many way, you know, a guy that they claimed was born, you know, overseas in, in Kenya or, or whatever. And it was it's this fear of the other that, that was created quite deliberately. And it started with the the Speaker of the House, Eric Cantor, they actually took him down. It was one of the first things that they did was they, they took Eric Cantor down with this simplistic, um, nationalistic uh, rhetoric, this idea of the fear of the immigrant. Uh, and it worked. And for the first time ever, the Speaker of the House lost his seat. Like they, they, and, and that was created by super PACs. Um, so what was quite ironic, though, was that in the end, 
the super PACs, they raised, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, as they always do, but they couldn't spend their money on anything that could rival Trump's Twitter thumbs. Yeah. Uh, and, and they create this movement thinking that it's going to bring them the, the presidency back. And in the end, this guy, Trump, comes in and steals the movement from them. And there's nothing they can spend their money on to stop him. Did you feel like you were on the wrong train, in the wrong car? Was it sort of like, that's so weird, the real story is happening over there? I mean, your film is great. I love it. It's really yeah, yeah. fun. And it, it is its own story. And in fact, by being in the wrong car, by being in the car that crashes, it's all the more sort of funny and poignant and informative. And frankly, I don't want to sit with Trump on his campaign trail for two hours. I would sure. rather slash my wrists. But did you sort of get that sense of like, oh, that is... That's the thing that's really happening. <laughs> we, when we arrived and started filming, within two weeks, Carson had got to number one. Right. And I thought I was some sort of accidental <laughs> it, yeah. documentary genius, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, and I was like, how? Because this is an unforecast hurricane. Like, no one gave this guy a, a, a prayer. I thought he might surprise a few people, but I never really expected him to get to number one. Right. Um, and then uh, Trump comes along and, 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 and steals his, his thunder. And it was... To begin with, I was disappointed because I was like, I, th I thought, my God, how have I done this? How have I ended up following the guy that's at number one and the guys that got him there? You <laughs> I'm going to get an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like I was at the center of something incredible. Yeah. And, and, and then the air starts to come out. And, but then what I realized I had was the, the story of why Carson was running. No one really understood why he was doing it. He didn't seem to be enjoying it. He wasn't any good at it. And people were confused as to why he was doing it. And I realized that I had the story of the men that had persuaded him to do it. But what I was also watching was the rise of Trump through the eyes of the men that backed yeah. the wrong horse. And, and all through the film, you hear them being appalled by this man because he is an, an, an appalling man with a, with a temperament far beneath the office of president. And yet... By the end of the film, despite the fact that they have expressed their outrage and their horror at how he is leading the race and how he might be their candidate, by the end of the film, he becomes the candidate and they see that he can mess with Clinton's blue wall. And you hear them talking about how he might do that, how he might deliver these states that they thought that they couldn't get near. And all they're trying to work out is how can we get on board? Yeah, totally. And in fact, there's a couple of scenes sort of around a boardroom table where for the first time I have heard out of their actual mouths why Republicans continue to support him and, and the depth of compromise they make. Like your subjects say, well, he's obviously not religious and his morals and ethics are obviously deplorable, but, and then it's yeah. what they say after the but that goes, that you think like, oh, well, that's why he still has supporters. That's why he hasn't been impeached yet. Yeah. Because there are all these people around him who, who they're not stupid. They know just like we do yeah. that he's a con artist and a liar and a bigot and yeah. a, and all of those things. But they're supporting him because they see their own agendas yeah. hidden underneath all that or within all that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They they see that he might just have a chance and all, they, all they're trying to work out is how to, uh, use is how, him. How, to, how to get on board and how to they see that he can deliver the White House and they're so scared of what they perceive to be the rise of socialism because they don't really understand what socialism is they don't understand that health care for people is a is a good thing they see it as something that is going to make government larger and take all their money and mm. and quite simply they want they sacrifice all Republican principles simply out of a fear of that. And with it, they sacrifice America's authority and integrity across the world. And I wonder, frankly, if it will ever recover. 
No, I don't think so. Certainly not for not for decades and decades, if ever. Um, uh, these there's a moment in the film where sort of your 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 central character or one of your central characters says along the lines to uh, his group. You know, when this happens, when they announce Ben Carson as president of the United States, you're going to feel so good. And these are all rich people. These are all people who, for whom the American dream not only is working, but has worked. They're all so established in their own comfort zones that they don't need to be involved in this if they don't want to be. What are they doing it for? <laughs> are they only doing it so that they can say that I did it? Like, is, is, is his thing, which is saying, like, you'll feel so good. Are they kind of just doing it for their own egos? They're doing it. To, they're doing it to get the White House back for the Republicans, and he's a he's a vehicle to 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 do that. They they, um, the 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 guy that you're referring to, John Philip Sousa, who set this yeah. pack up. He just descendant had an idea. of the John Philip Sousa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he's the grandson of the guy that that yeah. uh, that, that wrote the Monty Python theme tune yeah. and all the all those other sort of uh, jingoistic yeah. marching songs, you know. Uh, <laughs> Famous marching <laughs> musician guy, <laughs> and he he uses the, that 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 narrative, you know, of being this the grandson of a of, of um, uh, you know, a, a very jing- jingoistic and an important um composer to get the attention of people who might give him money, yeah. uh, and he has, you know, he's been very successful with it, and he saw Ben Carson give an address at a national prayer breakfast. Um, every year they have a national prayer breakfast that the president attends. It's a it's a big religious event and it's very important and on the religious calendar. Um, and and um, Ben Carson gives a speech there in front of Obama and he slags off the healthcare and he slags off Obama in general. With him sat right there, like right next to him, and they loved it. The Tea Party went nuts for it. Um, and they saw this. They started looking at this guy and thinking, right, this, 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 this guy is brave. This guy has he, he has he's a part of um, a demographic that we that we need to access in order to get the the White House back. And he's got this incredible backstory. I wonder how we can use that to get the White House back. And it's as simple as that, really. And and so they. They they really created a movement and started spreading the word of Carson. They show that appalling uh, film that you mentioned earlier with poor old Cuba Gooding Jr. in, in it playing <laughs> playing Carson, and and it's it, it's really an awful, a wonderfully awful film. It's terrible. And they show that and churches and restaurants and and town halls all across the country, and spread the word of Carson. Like here is this amazing man, not only a self-made man who plays into that 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 idea of the the republican self-made man the the epitome of 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 the american dream um here is a here is a, here is a guy that pulled himself up by the bootstraps and made something of himself out of nothing and he's a godly man and and he and 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 he can he can bring he's a man that should be running for president do you think so too and they would get him get all these people to sign petitions on their way out they collect hundreds of thousands of signatures and bombard carson with them please run for president we need you to save the country and that's what persuades him to run and it's just the super PAC system has created a rather bizarre landscape where anyone who has, you know, a whim like this, um, anyone that has a bit of money or anyone that has a narrative that can raise money can influence the political process. And it leads to bizarre candidates like Carson running for president. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm getting at is they don't seem to actually have... <laughs> 
they seem like hobbyists. They seem like this is their hobby that they're willing to spend a certain amount sure. of their fortune on, you know. Yeah. And they'll they'll even continue after the point of no return when they start praying, <laughs> when they start praying and, yeah, sure. and start saying things like, look, it's almost certainly like <laughs> if you look at this through a secular lens, there's no way he's coming back, but we can pray and still throw another couple of million. <laughs> yeah. And the, 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 they devoted an enormous amount of time and energy to the prayers because they really believe that that can affect things. They, yeah. they, they sit watching the debates and during the debates, they're praying to affect the debates yeah, yeah. and they're praying for what they perceive to be the media bias to go away. Which is just astonishing footage for a secular Australian. I mean, it is just really, really out there stuff. And their money is on the line. Yeah. And and but it's that, that that is something that you when you have that belief system that's something that you have to devote attention to because yeah. of course what 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 bigger thing to to call upon than God Himself to influence yeah. and if you believe that that is a real thing and if you believe that God does influence things down here on Earth what what more important thing to do during a campaign than to get the big man on your side Yeah we gotta we gotta sort of end it there but I just wanted to bring up the fact that Carson really was no good at the rhetoric or the charisma once he got up on the stage. Like, he really was a terribly lame duck. You know, part of the reason I think Trump trounced him is, you know, Trump, for all his faults, kind of has this fire in his belly when he's up there. He's got that Hitlerian thing. But Carson looked down at the floor, he shuffled around, he held the mic in a sort of insipid way. I mean, he was the opposite of Mark Antony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just underprepared. There's a constantly recurring motif throughout the film of Carson the cardboard cutout. They have these cardboard (laughs) cutouts of him that they put everywhere and every time we saw one we shot it and made sure that we used it because really that's what he was he he had this great narrative he he was this good idea but when it came down to it you turn that cut out on its side and there's no substance to it and that was the problem and it was pretty easy for the press to come along and poke their finger through and it was un- it was unfortunate for Carson because he was you know bam- persuaded to do this thing that uh, he he wasn't prepared for and, and shouldn't have been doing if he wanted to get into politics maybe he should have you know run for congress or something you know Done got some practice right yeah, yeah and, and and he was underprepared although part of that is his fault because Terry, uh, the leader of, of one of the super packs that you see in the film, he wanted to prepare Carson and he, he showed me this folder that he'd prepared on foreign policy and he wanted to give him all the information in it. He'd spent six months accumulating it. He had a meeting with him where he was going to give it to him and by that point, Carson's number one in the polls and he thinks Providence is taking him all the way to the White House. Yep. And he says, you know what? I don't think I need your guidance anymore. I don't think I need you to sit there and give me this information. And within two weeks, foreign policy was what killed him and he tanked. Current president of the United States doesn't do his reading either. Doesn't read the, his homework either. Um, it also looks very depressing and sad. Like some of the things that you have to go through to try and get that primary thing. You know, there are book signings. These these books are these books are fast tracked and I assume printed privately so they can just get them done. And these book signings and these awful brightly lit events in high school gyms and everything. It just looks very very sad. And the further you slip in the polls, it just looks really depressing. Yeah, like yeah. he he got sent on a horrible journey. Journey. But of course, now he's he's in the White House. Well, yeah, this has become his curse in a way. You know, he's constantly he's 
he's become this reluctant saviour pursued by people that won't take no for an answer. It, it's kind of towards the end of the film, he's trying to say goodbye and these, these people are, uh, he's trying to leave the campaign and someone shouts out to him, you know what, I think you'd be the best, you, you should be the first vice president and surgeon general at the same time. He's trying to get off the stage. He's trying to say goodbye and he says, I'm not looking for a job and they're, they're shouting after him, but the job is looking for you. They won't leave him alone. It sort of reminds me of Life of Brian, you know, where they're chasing the yeah, saviour yeah. and they won't leave him alone and he's like will you just f off and their response is how do you want us to f off oh lord that's how i think carson becomes by the end of the film yeah and even beyond that there is a moment in your film which we we won't reveal that is so funny just the degree to which his <laughs> people sort of kept doing that in in such a bizarre way that yeah. only could happen in the United States of America. Luke Walker's film Pac-Man, as you've heard, is about the super PACs that decided to back Ben Carson to run for the Republican ticket to then try and run for president of the United States. Neither of those things eventuated, but the film did. And it is, it's a true eye-opener. It really is an honest-to-goodness eye-opener. It's very, very entertaining. And um, and yeah, I've, I've, I've never really understood the super packs before this film. So it certainly did that and a hell of a lot more as well. It's playing as part of the Sydney Film Festival this coming Saturday, the 17th of June. Tickets are still available. You need to go to sff.org.au. That stands for sydneyfilmfestival.org.au to get your tickets. And other than that, we are hoping for uh, cinema releases, VOD releases still to come. Yep, negotiating all that now. It's going well. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be there doing a, a Q&A um, at the screening. So if anyone's got any questions, come along terrific thanks Luke cheers mate you've been listening to Movie Land with CJ Johnson make sure you see a movie at the cinema this weekend take care dear God hope you got the letter and I pray you can make it better down here I don't mean a big reduction in the price of beer but all the people that you may in your image see them starving Thanks for listening to Movie Land. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CJ Movie Land. Read and subscribe for free to my written reviews at filmmafia.com.au. Watch my web TV series, Watch This, at Skippy TV. That's S K I P I dot TV. S K I P I dot TV. And make sure you see a movie at the cinema this weekend. Take care.